The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning. Pray with me. Father, we just pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would help us to see your word, to enjoy it, to draw life from it, and to live as you've called us to live. And we pray for your glory in your name. Amen. So our intro this morning is not First Peter 2.1. Are you troubled by what you see happening in the world? In this sermon series, we will read Peter's letter to churches who are also living in troubling times. In his letter, we read words like grief, suffering, and anxiety. Peter is writing to people who are struggling to live by faith in a world that seems to be falling apart. Listen and discover how Jesus is a living hope. For those living in troubling times. And we are only two weeks in in our sermon series. And if you haven't listened to the sermon from last week, we have a living hope that Daniel preached. I'm going to encourage you to go to either our Facebook or our podcast and to give it a listen so that you can be on the same page with us. Um, But recently... I was at the Coffee Oasis Drop-In Center in Port Orchard, and I had been visiting some of the regular youth there when I overheard a conversation. It was a hard conversation. They were talking about partying on the weekend, and one of the youth was talking about how much alcohol they had consumed the week before and how happy that had made them, and then how much they planned to do this weekend as well. And not sure what to say in the moment, I was kind of just troubled. I said, well, I wouldn't do that. And one of the youth responded, well, yeah, not how you were raised. And I said, well, how was I raised? And they said, well, in a Christian family. And I laughed and I said, well, that's funny, because I don't come from a Christian family. And this quickly became a discussion about what was it that caused me to believe See, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and so as a result of that, I didn't have the benefit of a Christian upbringing. And so as I started a family of my own, as Susanna and I got married, we had to make decisions along the way that would ensure that our children would grow up with what I didn't have, that they would be different kinds of people. And some of those decisions were Discussions about dating or not letting our kids date until 16. It might be homeschool instead of public school. Um, Memorizing catechisms. Only listening to Christian music when we drive in the car. Praying before dinner. Or reading children's Bible stories every night before they went to bed. And a lot of times people think we're strange. They think we're different or weird. Especially their friends when they say, why are we praying before dinner? And we say, because we always thank the Lord for what he gives us. And then to see their friend who doesn't believe say, amen. It's really cute. And why does it matter? Because this morning as we look at the passage found in 1 Peter 2, we are called to be a different kind of people. 
It's our response in troubling times we find ourselves in that speak of God and the kind of people that he desires us to be. And we really live in troubling times. I mean, you would have to take five minutes on a news app or just glossing over a newspaper to figure that out. I did a quick look yesterday and it had me in tears. Four daycare workers arrested for putting on a Halloween mask and scaring little kids to do what's right. It's disgusting. It really bothered me. Questions of the actions of police during the Uvalde school shooting. Brutal arrest films, officers being punished. Floods destroying crops in third world countries. Or what about personal troubles that we experience on a daily basis? What about things like depression, having the inability to get out of bed, or troubles making ends meet, potential of losing your job? My dad's company that he has worked at for 42 years are now starting to take days away. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't look good. Marriage troubles. Kids continuing to get in trouble, whether at school or with your friends. Sickness that's either come on suddenly or maybe it's come back and it's threatening your livelihood and the joy that you or your family's experiencing. And how do we respond in those moments? So the big question I want to ask you this morning is, how do you respond to the troubles of life? And the big idea is we respond differently because we are different. We are a holy people if we believe in Jesus this morning. As a refresher, just really quick, 1 Peter was a circular letter that was written to primarily Gentile believers in Asia Minor, or what is modern-day Turkey. The letter had made its way around the continent to teach believers how they are to live in light of their salvation. This letter was written to two kinds of people. One, the elect, chosen by God and for his purposes, And exiles, people that realize that this world is not their home. And as we unpack 1 Peter 2, we will come to a better realization of how to be a different kind of people, a holy people. And so there are four things that I'm going to point out in the text. And I don't go all the way through because there's a lot of stuff there. But I'm going to point out four things that I noticed. And that I think if we followed, we would be a different type of people. We would be the holy people that God desires of us. One... We cannot change, do, we cannot continue, not change, doing the same things. Last week, Daniel preached about living a holy life, and that's where we start this morning. So when we jump in and we say, therefore, it's a continuation of that thought. Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Peter was simply stating, because you have been made new, Through this new birth, you have to put off the old things and be new. So the thought process reminded me of the definition of insanity. Who has ever heard, if you keep doing the same things over and over again and you expect different results, that's insanity. So to be a holy people, we have to live differently. We're going to have to stop doing one thing and start doing another. A lot of us, if we admit it, are creatures of habit, and we tend to do the same things over and over again. We have the same habits, same routines, even responses. I got into this weird conversation with a coworker recently, and I was kind of upset, and I was saying really hard things, and I said, do I always respond like this? And he said, for all 13 years, I've known you. (laughs) That's not a good thing. Isn't it true that when we are faced with challenges and troubles, we tend to get, like, more defensive? 
So malice, envy, slander, all those things kind of pop up. They bubble up in our lives. And we push back and we're going to give reasons for why things are the way they are. We want the quick fix. But Peter here is saying, these things have to go. There's no room for it. But not only do I want you to stop doing that, I want you to start doing another thing. Like newborn babies, I want you to crave pure spiritual milk. And it's easy to read that word and go, liquid, huh? Or food or some sort of sustenance. And the sustenance that they're talking about is the very word of God. We're to crave that. And I love the illustration of a baby because the more that I thought about a newborn baby, I remember being waken up in the middle of the night by our little girls. And when they would feed, how intense that was, how they just desired to eat. And that was the only thing that could satisfy them. And do you, if anybody here has loud children, I had loud, unashamed children that would, you know, and you just remember that as you're sitting next to your baby and you're like, this baby's getting filled up, right? (laughs) And that's the way we're supposed to approach the word, to be ravenously hungry for it with an insatiable hunger, to love the word of God and to allow that to change our lives. So we're going to put off that old thing. We're not going to continue doing the same things that we've always done. We're going to do a new thing and we're going to crave the pure spiritual milk, the very word of God, that it would grow us into our salvation. So in order to respond differently, we can't keep doing the same things. We need to ditch some habits and we got to develop that new one. So this leads us to the second point, that we had to make a choice. And I think that it's really funny because we get to this place where in verses 4 through 8, where it's, it's contrasting the accepting and rejecting of this living stone. And so there's a lot of figurative language here. Um, there are some who accept the living stone, and then there's some that reject. For those that are believers, those that respond differently, they had made a choice. It's because they had accepted. The words living stone in this chapter and cornerstone are kind of interesting because we need to know what that is. And Acts 4, 11 through 12 says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which must be saved. Amen? Both the living stone and the cornerstone are Jesus. Jesus is called the living stone because he is alive. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. When we have made the choice to come to him, we have become like him, living stones, right? And another way to say, um, that are being built into spiritual houses. So another way to say that is we are becoming temples of the Holy Spirit. So we are becoming a place that the Spirit makes his dwelling permanently. And that makes us able to distinguish between what is God and what's the way that we are to live as we are these different people. So as we're in relationship to Jesus, the living stone, we're becoming more and more like him, right? So we've accepted the living stone. And as we draw near, as we come near, we are becoming like him. Our lives start to become lives that... His spirit comes and makes a dwelling in that we could discern between what is God's and what isn't. We're 
taking the reins from our own hands and replacing them into God's by allowing his spirit to come in. Now, while it's important to distinguish, now why it's important to distinguish between the living stone and the cornerstone is because a cornerstone is an architectural term. The cornerstone is a foundational piece that determines the design and structure of the building that it's part of. It's integral. So when you made the choice to accept Jesus, he became the foundation in which your life takes shape from. From that moment forward, the growth that you experience is directed from the relationship in Christ. That gives us everything we need to be different, to respond differently. How many friends have you had who noticed the foundation of your life changing and then asked what that difference was? But 1 Peter 2.6 says, and this is where I, I get a lot of encouragement from this. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For those who believe will not be put to shame. In order to live differently, we had to make a choice. Which leads me to the third thing this morning. We have a new identity. So when you jump into 9, verse 9, after you had come through... You know, we're going to take off this old thing. We're going to put on this new thing. And then there was this choice, this accepting or rejecting. We come to this place where it says, but. So we're not at the accepting, rejecting spot. If you believe in Jesus, you've done that. You've accepted. And so this is the true reality of who you are. This is for anyone that believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've professed that. You've accepted it. This is you. And as I read it, I allowed it just to wash over me, but it's really interesting because it's not always easy to think like this. But those four distinct things, I kind of just want to point them out quickly to you. They are that you are a chosen people. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose you before the creation of the world in love. That's... Amazing, because when you feel rejected or hurt or something's coming against you and you feel like there's nothing going for you, you're down on your luck, remember you were chosen. And God did that because he loved you, little you, he loved you. The second thing, you're a royal priesthood. Jesus in the New Testament is seen as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, as we came to Jesus, the living stone, we became co-heirs. And our royalty comes from him. That makes us royalty. And as a result, you're declaring God's perfect majesty to the world in your imitation of Jesus. So when the world sees this, they are drawn to God's kingship. So when you feel worthless, when you feel like you have nothing to offer, God says, you're for his purpose. That he has a plan and purpose for you. That you're a part of his priesthood that shares his glory to the world. That's an incredible job. That's incredible worth, if you ask me. You're a holy nation. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people were considered the nation of God. 
In the New Testament, Gentiles came in, right, as part of that. And we realized that this was a spiritual nation. So anyone here that has accepted the living stone is a part of that nation. So you, along with another believer at any church in Bremerton that professes Jesus as Lord, are a holy nation with them. You're a part of a bigger, greater body, a bigger, greater family. And then the fourth thing, it's God's special possession. And I thought that was deeply personal. God owns you. You are deeply loved and very valuable to God. And it reminded me of a time that I had this youth pastor, this local youth pastor, speak upstairs to our youth here in Bremerton. And he brought this really expensive gold coin. And he said, he said uh, if you lost this coin, would you go looking for it on one of these couches here? If we dropped it down into the section of a couch, would you go looking for this coin? And all the kids were like, yeah, that's a really valuable, that's a really nice coin. I'd probably fight you for that, honestly. And he said, you are more valuable than this gold coin to God. He will go to no end to find you. He said, if you are lost, he will find you. <laughs> you know, he's like, you are special. You are unique and special to God. You're God's special possession. He owns you, and that means something to you, to, to, to him. So if you've ever doubted worth, you don't have to doubt about that this morning. People who respond differently in their times of trouble are aware of this new identity. People who respond differently know, as it says, that they once were not a people, but now they are a people. They are God's people, his, his possession. They know that they once hadn't received mercy, but through Christ they've received mercy, so they can be different. And this spawns out through the rest of the chapter with the fourth point, and it's that we make decisions based on our new identity and not our old way of life. So we talked about what we're not going to do. We talked about what we're going to do. We're talking about the choice that we had to make. We talked about this new identity we have, and now everything that flows from that is coming from this new identity of who we are in Christ, the living stone, the cornerstone that we are supposed to use as a foundation so that we can be different people, holy people. And as it continues out, it talks about suffering, and it talks about um, how to be in relationship to other people. And I find it remarkable that Jesus, while Jesus was suffering, there was no deceit found in his mouth. And we're told to get rid of that, to be like Jesus, the ultimate model, that we're going to become God's slaves. And how do we become God's slaves? By imitating Jesus and the relationships we have with people in authority above us. So when we're at work, and we don't like something, we submit. Because God gets the glory when we do that. Right? When we, <laughs> when we have a friend who brings something against us, and it hurts, and it's ripping us apart, instead of finding every reason why it's not true, listen calmly and love. Because that shows Jesus. And I think that's where Peter was just stressing, right? Because he makes his final 
address here that he's, you know, in this, not, not a final address, but he, he makes a statement where he says, he gets to the heart of the matter and he says, dear friends, we've talked about all of this and now I'm urging you to live differently. Right? He says, So what would our church look like if we were all craving God's word, making the choice to accept the living stone and walking in the identity that he has given us? We wouldn't care about how the things in life that don't go our way um, feel or what benefit we get from different things outside of Christ. We would care about how we are all doing together. We would care about does it honor God? We would care about him getting the glory. We would care about his name being bigger and better. And how would that speak of God's glory to Kitsap County, Washington, or the world? How many people who have been rejecting the living stone would start becoming strangely curious watching and asking questions about our Heavenly Father because they saw this in us? Because they saw a um, commitment to be conformed to the cornerstone Jesus. So what do we do with all these things we talked about? One, we stop the insanity. If you place your faith in Christ, rid yourself of the things that are holding you back. If I told you with a piece of paper and a pen, I'm sure you could walk away and write down a ton of things that you believe are holding you back. Just rid yourself of those things. And crave pure spiritual milk. Long for and devour the words of God. Get alone and just enjoy his word and let it speak to you life. Become like a living stone as you approach the living stone. Allow his spirit to dwell in you richly. Like a newborn baby, drink deep and hungrily in his word in an unashamed fashion. Remember the gulping, slurping baby? Be the gulping, slurping word craver. Two, for some of you, you may have never made the choice this morning to place your faith in Jesus. So you might be asking, how do I do that? And so I'm going to encourage you to come talk to um, me or Daniel or do we have someone praying today? to Daniel, and he would be happy to talk more about that with you, and I would be happy to talk to you about that. Instead of not knowing, settle it. Does he sound precious to you this morning? Do you crave a new identity? Do you want to be the calm in the storm that you're facing? If you hear him, stop ignoring it and respond. The living stone. We need faith in times of trouble. The book of 1 Peter was written for people who believe and people that realize that this world is not their homes. We are to behave differently in our world because we are in fact different. We are a holy people. We can no longer live the way we have. We have to make a choice. We have to have that new identity. We have to believe it, trust it, and our decisions need to come from that. If we are his, we are a holy people.
And that's a special place to be this morning in troubling times. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a living stone and that we can approach you and that you give us that gift of your spirit. Teach us our new identity and allow us to live out of that. Help us to walk with you and help us to love you that those around us would become curious. In your name, amen.